Welcome to the Sydney Film Festival Talks podcast series, Keeping It Real. This series showcases several of the filmmaker talks that were held throughout the Sydney Film Festival in June 2022. In this episode of Keeping It Real, meet the filmmakers behind the incredible story of Shadow. Please enjoy. Hi everyone, my name is Joanna Garvin and I'm a filmmaker and I work with um, Create New South Wales in the comms team. It gives me great pleasure to welcome you all to this panel, which is part of the Screenability Strand and has been created by Sydney Film Festival and Accessible Arts. This panel discussion is focusing on how to build a career in the industry and look at looks at what happens after emerging filmmaking initiatives conclude. I'd really like to um, welcome the fantastic team of Shadow, the feature film which hopefully you've all just watched. Please help me welcome them. So I think we'll just start off with Shadow is Back to Back Theatre's debut feature film which recently had its international premiere at South by Southwest this year and was awarded the South by Southwest Visions Audience Award. Congratulations, guys. That's really exciting. How did it feel to have the film screened there and then now to have it at Sydney Film Festival? Alice, maybe, do you want to start? Yeah, sure. I mean, obviously, it was just an incredible thrill Especially, I guess we'd been, we'd made this film after, in, in the middle of many, many lockdowns. So Bruce Scott, who's in the crowd, and I travelled to South by Southwest and were able to watch it for the first time in a cinema with that audience. So it was, it was really great to kind of, I guess, have that recognition mm-hmm. and be in a f- festival of that calibre. As, and the same goes with Sydney Film Festival as well. To have our Australian premiere, premiere here is really exciting. I don't know if anyone else wants to add anything to that. Uh, yeah, no, it's just it's quite different watching something in an editing suite and <laughs> actually being in a real cinema. And um, there was a point when we're at South by Southwest and we're in the cinema and they had the sound cranked up really loud because it's a, a, a film, a story set in a town hall meeting, a bit like this, I guess. And um, I thought, gee, the sound designer, David, has done a great job on the on the sound because it was like kind of, all the kind of coughs and hums of the, the audience were, you know, kind of resonating at the same level as the kind of atmosphere of the theatre. And I just thought, oh, it's brilliant. And you kind of can't get that unless you're in a really big space. And the, the feedback from audiences in South by Southwest were really positive, and, uh, which is kind of purely anecdotal, but lots of people wanted to come and talk to us about the project and had questions about how did, the, you know, how did it get made? Like, where's, who, who, who is back-to-back? What are the kind of social and kind of cultural conditions that have created this work? So there's a lot of interest in and discussion about how the work was made. That's fantastic. And I was also curious because I saw that Shadow was adapted from back-to-back theatre's internationally acclaimed production, Shadow Whose Prey the Hunter Becomes. What made you guys want to bring this story to the screen? I've always, you know, we're, we're quite novice in in terms of screen, like it's an area that we've dabbled in and we've done a lot of community filmmaking projects, collaborations with small communities in making short films. This is like the largest venture that we've made. Or we did make a pilot uh, through the Hive Fund and with the ABC for a television series. And I've always been struck by in 
when you talk to anyone that works in film, you say, what are you doing? And they, they list about seven different projects yeah. they're all working on. And theatre is quite different. You just seem to have one project and just stay focused on it and try and get it made. I guess this project is in some ways a learning curve for us because we were actually trying to make a television series which was called Oddlands. And part of the funding that we had in place was uh, a grant through the NDIS to run an internship project as a part of the series where we would work with uh, people with disabilities as not only cast but also as crew and that there would be an opportunity there to um, be mentored by industry professionals in the context of um, the making of that series. Unfortunately, the series didn't get up, but we really wanted to follow through on the internship project. And so we decided that we would adapt one of our theatre shows, The Shadow Who's Prey the Hunter Becomes, which premiered here in Carriage Works in 2019. And really, uh, we had like a kind of three-week three week shoot, was it? Yeah, yeah. three-week shoot. It was uh, all planned in lockdown on Zoom. And then the Ring of Steel lifted between Geelong and Melbourne and Merritt had come on as an associate producer. Alice was producing and we had about 40 applicants, I think, for all the internship roles. And then we brought that, that team of interns together with the professional crew and shot it in our own space in Geelong. So it was kind of a quite a wild roller coaster ride. Uh, we'd, because of COVID, we didn't know if we were going to shoot it, be able to shoot it at all. And also because we'd never really made a film ourselves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's a bit of a... Well, that's actually a good segue because I was curious, what did you guys learn from the experience of making the film and most enjoy? Like, what, what were some of your experiences, Liam? Well, I was one of uh, the people who got one of the internships as part of the camera, cr- camera operation. And it was a, a very fun learning experience, learning through Rian and the other mentor that we had, as well as being part of, say, the cast as well. And, like, first time being behind the camera as well as in front of the camera as well. And has that made you want to do more of that in the future? Yes, I would um, be very glad to get, get another opportunity to be either in front of the camera or even more behind the camera stuff. That's great. And how about, um, I know Bruce, you mentioned that, Marek, you were the associate producer with Alice. Um, What attracted you to this project? I knew nothing about Back to Back before I found the job. And I'd just done reading about the works and the ensemble members and um, they they seemed very adaptive and inclusive and you know that was it was so wonderful and I think not only were my expectations met working with the team but they were exceeding yeah and I think that's one of the great things um, about back-to-back theatre mm. is that it has such a great reputation for being such an inclusive company. What do you think are some of the well, lessons, I guess, that the screen industry can learn in how to be an inclu- inclusive of people living with disabilities? Bruce, do you want to jump? Uh, well, I would just say it's across the board. You know, you could tackle that through the focus of the lens of casting 
or, um, you know, I, I felt really, well, you know, look, I, I, I actually, we came to this project about the internship because I was actually asked to mentor someone who's a young, actually Sydney-based filmmaker, just, just to have a conversation with them about, because they were, had cast, they wanted to cast a person with Down syndrome in a role and they wanted some advice. But I actually came, it was one of those conversations where you, you're supposed to be there as some sort of expert and I came away from the conversation going, I felt like I just learned so much from talking with that person. Yeah. And really, they were going to shoot this film with this sense of going, anyone could be involved in this. If you wanted to work on this film, you could come and work on this film. It was just like this open access opportunity and they encouraged me to come and work on the film. <laughs> and I just love this, this kind of philosophy that, it, the doors could just be open yeah. and anyone could come and have that opportunity. And I guess because we, we did a call out, it was this kind of then once we put the call out, we thought, God, do we need to narrow the criteria? Is it, should we be aiming for people with disabilities that have done some training in film and television but aren't getting work? Or is it maybe someone more so like Liam who works with us regularly as an actor but hasn't had the opportunity to do very much film and television at all. So the criteria seemed really broad. And then we just thought, let's as, keep this as open as possible. Sorry, I'm drifting from your question. But no, it's I, I guess for us, it was kind of like an experiment, you know, yeah. like, and we just thought, let's just try and keep the access as open as, as wide as possible. And, and as an experiment to see what, what, would, what we would learn from the experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess also that kind of transcends to on screen because one of the things that the film does beautifully is really shows authentically the experience of what it's like to live with a disability. So I'm wondering, what do you guys think we need to do in order to have more stories like this on screen and see more authentic stories on screen and have people involved in a meaningful way, not just a tick-the-box exercise? Great question. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think... I, does anyone have any? Right, you, you'd be an expert. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think it's just about open discussions and, like, um, I was involved in the internal recruitment process for Shana and we just had so many open discussions with each intern and with the company and I think that really led to an understanding of where everyone sat and where they were coming from as opposed to just assuming that you know, Liam wanted to do a particular role. Yeah, and I think that also led to people having the opportunity to try things out that they weren't necessarily really experienced in, but they really wanted to explore. And what would you say to someone that wanted to kind of have an open discussion with someone but was a bit, I guess, self-conscious? Because I feel like often people that don't have a lot of experience with people with disabilities, there's um, sometimes a bit of a taboo asking them about their access needs and all that sort of stuff. So what advice would you give to people that wanted to have those sorts of discussions that you guys had? I would say, you know, like, you know, often we're up often to comment about casting 
And I would say if you are considering casting a film, like make your film better by <laughs> representing the diversity of Australia on screen. Like I'm always struck, you know, we've gone through this kind of discussion about can, who, who can play what role. <laughs> that feels old now. And I think there's, um, uh, like there's, there's just so many roles all the time and they're not necessarily specified as being a character who is a person with a disability, but just cast someone with a person with a disability in that role. You know, it's a role of a lawyer that comes in to consult, a, a guest role comes in and consult. It could be a person in a wheelchair. It could be an ampu- someone with you know, as an amputee or, a, you know, there's a whole range of different roles that just exist there already that could be, you know, cast with, a, a more diverse eye, really. Yeah. yeah. That, that's just one area in terms of casting. But, you know, like I, you know, even for us, like the, the byproduct of doing this project is that, you know, we've employed Liam to come in as a camera operator on another mm. project. It's just like it's, it kind of builds on itself. And, you know, like I, I hope to feel like it, it, it's affected doing this project has affected our own culture and for us to question, you know, who we should get in for any given project and to kind of question our own criteria, you know, because we can also be kind of prejudiced in our own thoughts as well. And in what ways have you seen the culture change, do you think? Uh, it feels slow. <laughs> <laughs> There's no doubt about yeah. that. Um, I, you know, I think the fact that we're sitting here today is, <laughs> is yeah. a shift. I feel like our film and Alice can talk to this in terms of, you know, it seems to have had a really great response to other, from other film festivals in terms of being interested in it. You know, we, when we made this film, you know, I was just happy for it to get a screening somewhere, but you know, it's been picked up, you know, by South by Southwest and here there's a number of other film festivals I can't mention at this stage, but um, that, like, that just feels fantastic that there's an interest in, in our film, that's a very anecdotal reference, sorry. Like, no, it's yeah. great. I don't know, Merritt, you might be able to talk, um, Liam or Alice, more broadly about what you feel like how the culture is shifting. I mean, I'm, I'm interested, Merritt, in your thoughts. I'm thinking particularly of First Responders, which is an animation that okay. we made. <laughs> and um, I was really impressed, I guess, that the ABC picked it up after we'd made it and they sort of, it felt like they went out of their way to, they knew that it was made, um, co-authored by a group of young people with disabilities who also star in it. So it's a very short animation and I don't know how we would have pitched it to them and got it through, but once we were midway through making it, they really loved it and they picked it up. So, and they, they really, I think there's people that when you find kind of champions in those bigger organisations or broadcasters or film festivals or whatnot, they really can make a huge difference. And I know, Merritt, you work a lot at the, or you work at the ABC, and you probably have a kind of inside scoop to how the culture's changing in general rather than making it just about your... Yeah. Um, I, I think the culture is changing. I think it's still that way to go, but, um, yeah, the ABC has a really good employment plot. Um, policy for people with disabilities and from Indigenous backgrounds and LGBTQI backgrounds. And I think it's those kind of first steps and then you have a more diverse, I guess, body of staff that kind of, you know, when something's 
like first responders gets pitched or picked up. I guess there's a more diverse group of people looking at it and in some ways that is um, better reflective of the audience that watches it. So, um, and I think it again comes down to open conversations and champions, as Alice said. It's slow though, I would agree with Bruce. It's slow, but it seems to be yeah. slowly building. That kind of leads on to my next question because Screen New South Wales, they have a commitment to try and increase the participation of screen creatives living with disabilities, like having something like screenability. But what advice would you give to people who have, say, participated in those sorts of initiatives or worked with the ABC to continue the momentum that they've built from participating in initiatives like that or working at the ABC um, just to build on their skills and their network and the next big thing? Look, I, I can really only answer that from our perspective as a theatre company and, um, and to say that, you know, as an organisation, we've we, you know, made this project, we made First Responders, the project that uh, Alice was just referring to, the animation series for the um, ABC Me. But our next project that we're making is really to empower each of the actors who are you see in shadow to make their own project and to support those individual voices. So it's a kind of, I guess, fragmentation. So it's a, this is a collective co-authored work, but each of them are now going to make um, their own individual project and for us as a company to support them. So I think if you took that as a kind of micro example, <laughs> I think there's lots of people that might get an internship or get experience working on a project or it might be a training thing. But then to, for, to be really meaningful, there has to be support behind individuals yeah. to have their voices to come through. Um, and obviously that doesn't happen instantly, but mentorships are great to a certain point and to, for people to get experience. And then there has to be real support behind it so people, people's voices can really shine through and make their work that they really want to make as well. And what advice would you give someone that wanted to break into the industry about what they could do? Liam, do you have any advice you'd give someone thinking about working in the industry? Um, just to put your foot forward and just give it a go and see how far you can get through and if you can that's really great and you're making a name for yourself and just to keep trying because you never know if you just sat down and didn't give it a go. Right advice, right? Um, I think it's about connections and I guess fostering relationships and just Speaking out to people like, you know, I went to Alice and a few other people and said, well, I've got these months free, do you know of anything? Because the industry is a lot of contract work, so I think it's really important to keep those connections and networks open and I guess just not be afraid to reach out to people. How about you, Alison? Any advice? Um, I mean, they're both great 
um, pieces of advice. I guess, I mean, I feel like I'm barely a filmmaker, like this is my first film, so it feels weird to be giving this sort of advice, but I guess my perspective is that it takes a long time to start and then that momentum builds, so you spend ages trying to find the right person to talk to, like sometimes a year or more, and then once you've found that champion or person, it's often quite quick to connect with them and then they open a door for you and then you can go back to them. You know who they are the second time or the third time. So it's, as um, Merit was saying, it's connections, it's networks. I mean, I feel like... Great advice. Yeah, great advice. Network, networking industry. And mm. Bruce? Uh, well, people have advised us, you should go and talk to this producer or you should go and talk to this person who's, you know, has a lot of experience. And I kind of felt a little bit embarrassed about it. <laughs> and, but I think this is refers to your point, Merit, of going, just make those connections. And uh, I've been overwhelmed by the generosity that people have had for having conversations and giving their time and making those connections in return. And not, I would, my advice is don't, don't sit at home going, being too humble and, or, you know, being too quiet and going, oh, they won't be interested if I send them an email and explain to them who I am or, like, you know, I think you've got to put it out there and you'll be surprised at how how open people will be in terms of responding and with advice and support. That's all fantastic advice. <laughs> and are there any questions in the audience? Thanks. Because you've got cast members here as well, first I just wanted to say thank you for your body of work over many years. Uh, I think I've seen five of your theatre oh. works now, so great, challenging, provoking work. But I wanted to ask if you're thinking of incorporating film into future theatre works to just help expand that audience. And I know it's very expensive to make a film as well, but is that something you'd think about doing more routinely now? I feel like with the back catalogue of theatre work we've got has potential for expansion into adaptation into film. But do you mean like incorporating film into the theatre work, like actually as a no, part of... A, well, either, yeah. Component to yeah. the company's operations. To, to expand the audience, really. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Like, you know, when we made the pilot Oddlands, you know, I think we did a calculation. You know, for us to perform a season of a theatre work, we might get maybe two to 3,000 people over <laughs> like a two or three week season. And we might get, I don't know, on the ABC on, you know, a 10 p.m. slot on a Tuesday night for the screening of Oddlands, I think we got close to 200,000. You know, it's like, that's amazing. And just the response that we've had of people saying, I saw that, I saw that, I, I heard about that company. Or, and they connect with other media or they see the theatre shows or uh, it just really, it, it moves so much faster than what we can as an um, old-fashioned old theatre company. <laughs> yeah, no, so it makes a lot of sense. And I feel like there's a lot of potential and in terms of the talent and the skill that's embedded within the acting ensemble to be able to kind of capitalise on, on their, them as an asset and, and as also as authors for the work as well. Yeah, that's <laughs> one up here. Okay. Thanks, guys, for the film. I absolutely really enjoyed it. And as a disability person myself, one of the things that I really loved is the opening moments of that film. We were all sitting in the circle talking about 
you know, how do we represent ourselves as disability uh, creators? And so my question for you all is through doing um, Shadow, um, what's something that you have learned about disability people that you may not have known about that has contributed towards your allyship or your activism towards the disability community? Uh, that's such a good question. There's so many things. I think the first thing that's coming to mind is that we brought in, uh, like, as Bruce said, 40 people that we'd never really worked with before that identified as having a disability. And because of COVID and a whole other bunch of reasons, we couldn't bring people into the space beforehand. And in hindsight, that would have been a really great use of time to have people kind of... Uh, you know, meaningfully inducted into our space, which we know so well and our acting ensemble knows super well, but it also can be another kind of layer of working out people's different support and access needs. So that's just a really practical thing that I identified and want to always remember and never be sort of cut off from doing that, you know, COVID or other, for other reasons. I, I think one of the things which... I saw the need that there were, no, there were so many facets to disability and it can be quite different. And you know what, I think the conversations that were had before filming were really important and identified a lot of that. And I just think conversations like that could remove barriers for some people in their industries. And that's what I think that was the biggest takeaway for me in that respect. Um, sorry, Liam, do you want to go? Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, when, when we did the call out for the interns, you know, we asked each intern to specify what area of production they would like to do. We had Tamika, who works with us regularly every Wednesday on Theatre of Speed, which is a kind of a regular community theatre group that we work with. And she's been working with us for, I don't know, maybe about 15 years. And she nominated that she would like to do lighting. And when I saw that, I just thought, ah, oh, there's no way we can get her to do lighting. <laughs> and, and I, and, but, you know, our production manager and the industry professional who had bought in to run lighting just went, yeah, no worries, you know. <laughs> and, and because in my mind it was just like, it's a safety thing. It's like whoever's doing lighting has got to get up on ladders and they've got to be able to do, deal with rigging and lifting things. And I just, I just kind of made all these assumptions and about what Tamika could or couldn't do, you know. But George and Bao, our, you know, production, our lighting team basically just didn't even see that and handed her an iPad with the control, all the control of all the lighting and sat her in the corner and would call out the numbers and she would dial it all up and she was operating the lighting manually off the, you know, remotely off with the iPad. And it was just like, I guess I'm, what I'm saying is I had my own kind of bias and prejudice exposed and that was quite confronting. And so I, I learned a lot from that is not to, I guess, place people in boxes and, you know, make assumptions about what people can and can't do. That's great. And what's next for Back to Back Theatre? More screen projects? <laughs> Thank you, Brianna. Brianna's just uh, reminding 
me that we've got a documentary that we've made with SBS that's about Brianna, which she co-wrote with us. That will be on that's SBS funny. shortly, but we can't reveal when. It's <laughs> great. Mm, oh, there's a, I think there's Scott. Oh. Yeah, I do have a question. Um... <laughs> no, Mike needed. Yeah, I know you're not allowed to talk about this here, but like, um, like so. Is um, Back to Back Feeder going to create a, um, sort of a video game about Back to Back Feeder? Amazing. <laughs> Love that. I mean, that sounds like your next ensemble project, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be at White Alice. I mean, like, yeah, so, so a lot to basically, I mean, like, a lot, yeah, like, yeah, to so take you on in a video game, Alice. But You're <laughs> And what are the next plans for Shadow? Are there more film festivals and more ideas to expand it? Yeah, I guess we're in this interesting situation now where there's quite a demand still for the theatre show. We've just come back from performing at the Vienna Festival and um, Kunsten Festival in Brussels and we've got probably around about um, 10 to 12 weeks of touring the theatre show that the, the film is based on. So there's that and then ongoing, I guess, a number of other film festivals that the film will screen at. So it's kind of interesting to have two different mediums with a similar <laughs> story. Yeah, so I'm not sure. I'll see how it rolls out. As Alice said, you know, it's all, it's all a new kind of learning curve for us. So in that we're moving into this area of kind of, I guess, getting it seen and distribution and that's territory where we're learning as we go as well. How has that been for you, talking to distributors and things like that? It's another world. (laughs) I mean, I I just ask the really obvious questions because I often don't even know the language that they're using. It's very foreign. And it's also great. Like, it's people are approaching us and that feels really exciting. And I think it's all helpful for whatever we do next in the screen space. So even if those conversations don't really go anywhere, you've got, like as we were talking before, that person's contact or they're aware of your work or they're giving you advice about what kind of screen project to do next, which you may or may not do, but it's still, it shows you where their interest is and it sort of just keeps on building. Oh, thank you. Um, I really enjoyed that film. It was so profound, so beautifully done and... I came away quite transformed. I was watching, the, uh, looking at the credit, as I always do when there's um, disability content, to see how, um, what meaningful credits there are for the disabled um, performers and so on. And I saw that you credited all the actors as co-writers of the film, and I was very, very pleased to see that. But my question is, how do you how do you do that um, development process of the idea? Because it's my belief that when you have disability content, when it's authored by dis- disabled creatives, it's a very unique and particular worldview, and it transforms into film, theatre, and like you've done with Back to Back. So, what is your process for writing the script? Well. The- First of all, this, it's based on the stage show, and the stage show is written over a three-year period, not obviously full-time, but we're a company that is built around a core ensemble of uh, five performers, uh, and we make work which is in repertoire. So we're often touring work that we might have made 10 years ago in, in the realm of theatre. Um, and so when we go to make a new work, we're, we're creating that work in between performing our previous work. And... The work is created through improvisation predominantly and discussion. 
So some of the scenes that you would have seen in the film were, came purely out of a, a kind of a discussion and then an improvisation and some out of a discussion and some of those discussions were real discussions. So the, the discussion at the start of the film around terminology around disability or neurodiverse and what terminology this group identifies themselves as was actually a conversation that happened in real life with the actors in the company that was led by our marketing manager about saying, how do you want to be uh, spoken about <laughs> within the publicity and of, of back-to-back theatre? Uh, and the company members were really divided about the use of the word disability or neurodiverse or neurodivergent, and that scene is predominantly a, a transcript of a real conversation that when we looked at the notes from that meeting, we just thought that is actually a really interesting piece of script that we could use in the development of this new work. So in, to some degree, everything is open for use and obviously in consultation, we all discuss that. With this project, we really tried to focus on following what would normally be perceived to be misunderstandings or mistakes or misinterpretations. For instance, the acknowledgement of country at the start of the film was actually, uh, you know, came from a discussion about going, all right, how are we going to start this story? Or it should start with an acknowledgement of country. And one of the actors went to do an acknowledgement of country and got really confused. And we thought there was something really interesting in that, of getting it wrong. <laughs> and that it said something about us, <laughs> not just this group, but as broader broader society about, you know, the situation we find ourselves in as a, a kind of, as a colony and um, our relationship to First Nations people. So wherever there was a, a mistake or a misunderstanding, we tried to follow that as a pathway um, and include that within the work. And I guess there's a certain degree within that there might be an improvisation that takes place and my job is to sit on the outside and to document that with a, you know, audio or video camera and, and then transcribe that and then we would just talk about the transcript. And basically our, our process is in two parts. The first part is just to collect, 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 collect. We just keep collecting. That collection might take place for about two years. We're just collecting ideas and that can be ideas about content or about roles that people will play. Um, so it's off when you're working with an ensemble, what's really important is that people don't play the same roles every production, that there's a diversity in the types of roles that people play. And then the second part is a kind of dramaturgical shift where then we've got this huge list of ideas and then it's a matter of going, how can we make connections between these different diverse points? And it's an editing process where we throw things away, uh, we try and make connections um, and, and then really build a story from a whole lot of smaller components. It's really um, involved <laughs> process. It sounds really worthwhile. Well, I'd just like to thank Bruce, Moret, Liam and Alice for this great discussion. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for coming. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you.